Episode two. Episode two of the Cozy Corner of Cinema. All right, man. Very productive week. I got to say, man. Very productive. Lots to always get done and lots did get done. Lots of writing got done for sure, man. Every opportunity you can, you just got to keep working at it. Working at whatever it is you're working on. And plenty of writing got done. You know, any opportunity I could. The great thing is that, you know, on your phone, I have it like, I have the website that I use, I, uh, it's under the same account. So, able to just hop on the phone. If I need to write something really quick, I'm good. Filming is going to get done soon. Doing some filming this week with some more writing that I was doing. So, that's going to get done. Always have to be working, man. No time. Not enough time, really. At all. Can't be sitting around doing nothing, man. Gotta do something. And this past week, something happened. Also watched plenty of movies, man. That good balance between finding inspiration and watching. You know, at work, I, uh, I listen to a lot of music at work, so I get a lot of, um, inspiration that way also it's like listening to music as well listening to a lot of it lately and that goes back into the writing and then feeling fulfilled after those thoughts that manifest get on paper at the end of the day just sitting back and seeing someone else's ideas and thoughts on the screen man it makes it all worth it makes it all worth it man good things coming good things happening man all right Let's talk about the first film today. From 1996, directed by Steven Soderbergh, we got Schizopolis. Or Schizopolis, however you want to say it. Steven Soderbergh, man, is just one of my favorite filmmakers. He's a real, real craftsman. He makes, he's a guy who is always doing cool stuff. He's always doing different stuff. And he's always um, adapting to the times. Uh, and trying different things, you know, shooting on film or digital or an iPhone or uh, shooting without a completed script or, or non-actors. And um, regardless of how you feel about some films more than others, it's pretty hard to deny that uh, he's not uh, a, a true artist in a sense. And absolutely, a true artist. I don't know why I said it in a sense. He's, got, he's one of the most interesting artists. And one of the most interesting filmmakers. And I would say that of all of his films that I've seen, I've liked all of them. Um, or strongly, uh, okay, liked or loved. Uh, I'm trying to think right off the top of my head if there's any that he did that maybe I wasn't too crazy about. I'm looking here. And um, everything I've seen of his, there's still some, there's still some areas I haven't, I, uh, of his I haven't seen. Like, I'm not really too eager to check out the Solaris remake um, based off the Tarkovsky film. But this was a film that he did following up. Um, oh, okay. So I actually thought he followed up King of the Hill with this, but he actually followed up a film called The Underneath, which I, I haven't seen. Um, and this came out the same year as... I just had it right here. Because I know he is... Uh, Let's see. Did this the same year as Grey's Anatomy, which I haven't seen. But Schizopolis, it's a real interesting, it's a real interesting film. It's uh, 
just a comedy. It's kind of a surreal, um, experimental comedy. A lot of uh, uh, very loose in narrative, a lot of sequences that feel kind of isolated on their own. And um, a lot of, I believe, non-actors in the film. And what plot there is, we basically have Steven Soderbergh, who plays the lead character in the film. He works at a um, nine-to-five job. They're kind of a strange kind of company. It's, uh, I read somewhere comparing it to uh, Scientology in a way, because there's a, there's a book that, they, that they're, I guess, I don't remember if it was their boss, or it was like this important like book, kind of like what's his name, L. Ron Hubbard, who... Um, What's that book that he wrote, man? Uh, gosh, man. I uh, I could not tell you. Anyways, it's, it, it kind of feels like that, but it's not as um, out there. You know, I mean, it's not it's not as overt, I should say. It feels more like just a regular 9-to-5 job. And he goes home to his uh, wife and his kid, and they have uh, very uh, 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 literal dialogue. So he walks into the house and says, generic greeting, and she says... You know, generic greeting to you, and and uh, there's a scene where she comes back from uh, uh, presumably cheating on him, and she was at the cinema, and she's and she he asks how the movie was, and she replies with something like uh, vague uh, vague plot description of the film or or something like that. And there's a whole lot of strangeness going on in this film, man. It's very uh, I already said surreal, uh, schizophrenic. Uh, I guess is another word to use. There's a lot of times where there's just some sequences that feel um, disconnected and there's a lot that could probably be taken. Um, uh, you could probably look at this. I don't know how deep this is meant to be. I mean, I guess you can look at it as, uh, uh, as um, I guess, as everyday society. Uh, and the, uh, you know, the, the literal communication the husband and wife have, um, uh, some, you know, I, I, truthfully, I didn't look too much into it, into the actual plot. I was more enjoying this as a, uh, very energetic and, and really funny film. There's, uh, there's many running jokes in the film. Uh, there, there's constantly times where, uh, Steven Soderbergh's character is getting called out by his boss and asks why he isn't doing something. And he always just has like a couple words of an excuse and that's the end of it. And they do that a lot. And there's just some other great moments like when he goes into the bathroom. Uh, well, he's already in the bathroom uh, making these crazy faces in the mirror and another guy walks in. And Steven Soderbergh asks how he's doing and he goes, uh, he goes, oh, not too well. I'm doing pretty bad actually. And uh, Steven Soderbergh just replies with, uh, okay, I'll talk to you later and walks out. And that moment actually caught me off guard. Um, I, uh, Steven Soderbergh is a filmmaker who does so many types of different things that not all of his films are going to work for you. I mean, it's kind of hard to recommend one film to another where I, all I could say is that if you like a certain kind of film of his, you might um, uh, like another one. But I mean, then again, if I say, if somebody asks, hey, recommend me a, a Soderbergh film, I mean, dude, that's such a loaded question that, you know, I could tell you some of my favorites, man. But they're uh, different types of films. I mean, when I first saw when I first saw his debut film, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, uh, it's a film that really stuck with me because of the way that Soderbergh writes those, written, wrote those characters. I can't even speak today. I'm going to need some more coffee right now. Hold on a second. It's the way he wrote those characters. Uh, and and the non-judgmental 
uh, uh, portrayal of, of these three different characters kind of stuck in, I don't even want to say a triangle, but it's basically, well, I won't get too much into that film. That could be a discussion for another time, but just the um, complications that uh, James Spader uh, puts into the lives of Peter Gallagher and Andy McDowell in that film. They're having a, a difficult marriage and his his view of sexuality in that film without it being erotic, you never get the sense that James Spader is um, getting off to his sexual questions that he asks various women. And anyways, I'm sorry, I went off, I completely went off topic there. But what I'm saying is that I could, you know, I could recommend a film like that, uh, which is probably my favorite film of his. Um, I don't think, did he direct The Day Trippers, man? I got to look at that. I don't think he did. No, I'm pretty sure somebody else did. I don't know why I thought of that film. Anyways, <laughs> I thought I saw I thought I saw his uh, name on it, but um, but then he does the Ocean's movies and stuff, which are more kind of commercial, um, big films. And uh, you know, I, I, I listened to the audiobook of um from it was from the author of um, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls. It was like his uh, I don't know if it was his follow up if he did another one in between or something, but it was essentially about the uh, rise of Miramax and the rise of independent films in the late nineties, or I'm sorry, in the late eighties to the nineties, um, they just, they, you know, talked about Soderbergh and um, Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, um, the prevalence of the Sundance film festival and the changing of the, sh- uh, changing of the tides, um, not the changing of the tides. What's the expression? The, um, you know what I mean, man. Um, much in the same way that, um, the, the shift from uh, uh, the late 60s into the 70s and the 80s of just that uh, shift in Hollywood of the way that films were made and the uh, way that filmmakers were given um, more carte blanche to do what they to do what they want and the results that came of it and the eventual um, downfall on a on a um, on a uh, on a creative scale um, you know, it's not just, it wasn't just Heaven's Gate. It was all these other, other factors that came into it. A lot of films were losing money and were just totally off the rails. I mean, films that we look back on now as cult classics, um, like The Last Movie or um, The Hired Hand, directed by Peter Fonda. Actually, it's kind of a coincidence. I mentioned a Dennis Hopper film and a Peter Fonda film, you know, going back to Easy Rider's Raging Bulls, um, uh, Easy Rider. Uh it's just uh, maybe that was the back of my head. But anyways, I just for whatever reason I thought of those two films and and um, you know the last movie isn't a very uh, commercial or, or accessible film. I mean, it's definitely a film that I'm a big fan of, but it's um, difficult to recommend because it's a very it's, it's an experience. It's a film that um, uh, I don't want to say you couldn't make it now because I'm sure you probably could, but not on the scale that the, the film is very experimental. But The Hired Hand, man, I feel like you definitely could. That's with Warren Oates as well. Um, and that's a film that I really like a lot. Um, but uh, gosh, I, I'm sorry, dude. I went totally off topic there. I just was talking about Schizopolis, and I go on to these books, and I go on to, to Dennis Hopper, and um, I completely lost my train of thought. Kind of like the film, kind of like how it just goes off on these tangents, and it goes off on these. I mean, you could take a handful of sequences in the film and um, watch them. I don't want to say in any order, but if you watch them on their own, 
you could still jump into to any point of the film. There, there's a lot of cool um, uh, uh, filmmaking that Soderbergh does. One of the one part that I really like is when Soderbergh, um, his uh, friend comes, his coworker comes to the office and tells him stories and. Uh, uh, the way it's filmed, it's filmed like uh, like a documentary. Where the way like he's they're talking about there's a great part where he's talking about how one of their coworkers had a heart attack because of um, his bad uh, health. He had diabetes or something. I, I don't think, I mean, I think he, yeah, it was a heart attack. I don't remember if he actually had, had diabetes or not. But then every time he mentions like oh, um, it was obvious that he was going to have a heart attack. I mean, look at the factors here, and it's all these things that Soderbergh's character does himself. And uh, just humorous sequences like that. Uh, it's a tricky one to recommend because if the humor doesn't land for you, then you're not gonna probably like the film. At least I would be hard pressed if somebody did because it's very um, fast moving, fast paced. It almost feels like at times an anthology, not in the way where a, a, a story will end and another one will start, but more so in a way where it cuts back to about a couple different stories throughout and. But it's not told in a linear fashion. It's just those characters, I should say, um, which I think makes for an interesting experience. Um, I really just, I really love this film, man. I mean, it's one that um, I just, every time I see a Soderbergh film, man, I just get something interesting out of it. Even if I don't, like, love everything that he's done, I definitely like some more than others. I mean, um, I just... Uh, all of his films, man, that I like. I mean, like, even Bubble is another one that people don't, I don't think many people like, or it's not as um, liked, but that's a film that I uh, have really liked. I mean, I really um, enjoy that film, and I get the criticisms behind it, and I understand why people might be disappointed with the lack of story, or maybe, let me re uh, rephrase that, maybe not so much the lack of story, but the lack of... Um, a point sounds backhanded, but it really isn't when I say that. It's very observational of just a bad event that happens, and the film is done with non-actors, and um, I've heard people criticize the acting, and that's, a, that's fair. You know, I mean, the, the, you look at their IMDb's, and there's only about three real characters in the film, but that's a film that I have really... Of all the films you watch, sometimes, I mean, even some you like more, you just kind of forget about, but that's one that, for whatever reason, has always stuck with me, and I think it's such a cool and interesting film, and... Uh, you know, looking at his IMDb, I haven't seen like a lot of his recent, recent stuff. He's done a lot of stuff for streaming. Um, he just had one out, uh, Kimmy with the uh, Zoe Kravitz, which I think was an HBO film. I haven't seen it. Um, I think the last film of his that I saw was Unseen when that came out with Claire Foy. And the big thing about that was it being shot on an iPhone. It's just cool that he's, he just, he's a filmmaker who will do just cool stuff like that. Um, I think that, uh, it's a shame that Logan Lucky didn't do as well as it did because that was actually one of my favorite films that he did. Very funny um, heist, heist film with a great cast. And, I mean, the only real downside that always stuck with me was I thought that the ending of the film just kind of went on for a bit too long. This about a, the last 10, 15 minutes I thought could have been completely removed um, and you wouldn't have really changed much. You probably would have gotten the same point if you just... Um, at least with a character introducing, I won't get too specific into that, but I, I, you know, that's a minor thing. That's just something that always stuck out. But, um, yeah, Soderbergh is just one of these guys, right? I look at his last couple streaming films and I, I, I wonder why I haven't watched them yet. I mean, um, I be honest, man, I kind of want to just watch them all back to back, you know? Um, 
he's done uh, like four or five. Yeah, High Flying Bird, The Laundromat, Let Them All Talk, No Sudden Move, and his newest at the time of recording this is Kimmy. And I see that he's, uh, he's directing the next Magic Mike film. Um, apparently, I didn't actually know. I think who I think Channing Tatum directed the last one, if I'm correct. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I actually don't know. I you know what? That's another one of his films that I haven't seen. Uh, uh, it was Magic Mike. It was I think it was another one that I don't know why I didn't see it. Uh, I mean, I, maybe I wasn't as into Soderbergh at the time. Like I probably just wrote it off as something else. But um, either way, man, everything he does, I think he's just one of the best. Um, filmmakers to come out of the latter part of the 20th century he's such a unique voice and i'm i kind of wish he did uh more acting roles because he is uh a really really funny lead in the film and just watching him just just do go completely off the rails and just strange but then also deadpan at times it's a cool film man it's just one that uh i watched a little bit ago and it, it's been bumping up to some to one of my favorite Soderbergh films. So Schizopolis, um, it is available to stream. I watched it on HBO, but it's also available on the Criterion channel. And there's a Criterion DVD, and man, I tell you, I really hope this gets a Blu-ray because he has a couple of his films on Criterion. He has um, King of the Hill, Traffic, Sex Lies and Videotape, um, maybe that, oh, uh, Grey's Anatomy, um, I can't, maybe there's some others. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, man, I would love to see this get a, a new Blu-ray. I'd love to see this get a Blu-ray, I should say, because I really liked this film. Uh, almost loved the film. I would say totally my kind of humor, very, uh, silly, strange, ex- experimental, uh, schizopolis, man. I, that's a, that's a good one. That's a great one, actually. Um, let's see here. Just about at the end of my coffee, so I'm having another sip of this. You know, coffee is great because you can drink a whole lot of it. Or I can drink a whole lot of it and not feel too sick. Tea, on the other hand, is something that I can only have two, about two cups of. And then, you know, it uh, starts to make me feel a little uneasy. But I spent more time talking about Schizopolis than I had intended. I think just because of how much I enjoyed the film and how big of a Soderbergh fan that I am. I, w- I was going to talk about My Night at Mods, directed by Eric Romer, but um, I think I'll probably just skip that for now. My Night at Mods, I, well, yeah, why not? Let's talk about the film. I don't have that much time left, and I'm not going to get too too much into it because it's, I don't have a whole ton to say, but I did want to mention it. Um, I think Eric Romer is a filmmaker who, um, I, I've, above everyone else, above a lot of other filmmakers that were putting out, uh, 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 European filmmakers that were putting out a lot of stuff around that time, a lot of big stuff. Where is Romer from, anyways? I think he's from, uh, I think he's French. Okay, that makes sense. I've more so than Godard, I feel like people are more split on his films. That what From what I've heard, there's uh, that line in Night Moves that I always laugh at where Gene Hackman makes a joke about, or makes a comment that he went to go see an Eric Romer film, and his girlfriend or his wife asked how it was and he says it's like watching paint dry and i could see why people would think about that my night at mods it's um a very it's a, i mean very dialogue heavy to say the least there's only about three real scenes in the film maybe a couple more than that i'm talking about like 
big sequences, not like a character just is on the street or something. Um, we have these two characters, one played by Jean-Louis Trintigant, uh, who you probably know from the Michael Haneke films. He was the lead in Amour. And uh, Antoine uh, Vitez. And they're two characters who, I won't get into the whole plot detail because uh, time is not on my side right now. But um, I think it was Jean-Louis that was the one, yeah, it was him, who was a, he was a, a Catholic or a Christian and he is very, um, he's not the swinger that Vidal is, Antoine v uh, Vitez. And basically we have a long, um, the, the main centerpiece of the film is a long conversation where he ha he has with um, Maude by uh, uh, Francois Fabian and um, about kind of their different, uh, not necessarily their beliefs, but their outlooks on, uh, on religion on gender, on each other, really. And there's always that allure of Maude possibly leading him because he doesn't want to, he's not interested in having sex with her. But what's interesting about the whole um, sequence is that uh, you, you kind of get a sense that Maude could be leading him on, but there is still some resistance where you think that if he was, if he really wanted to go after her, she probably wouldn't back down. But there is that interesting resistance there, that allure of uh, eroticism that's that that's also not there maybe eroticism isn't the right word of it the allure of something more but it's never overt and it's never even really flat out implicated i mean whatever i mean what happens from there on out I mean, it, it that that whole sequence takes up a lot of the film and we have another character uh in the film a blonde character who um, becomes a bigger part in the second half of the film uh, Fra Francois, I'm probably getting that name wrong. I don't know if it's Francois or something else, man, but I tell you, I know the damn character. I just don't know how to say the name. She pops up at the beginning of the film and becomes a more intricate part, uh, maybe not intricate, a more vital character in the second half with Jean-Louis. And um, the some of the issues that they might have with one another uh, that kind of becomes that that Jean-Louis had brought up with Maud. And um, what I like about the film a lot is that it might be a turnoff to some people where the conversations that these characters have seemingly goes in circles. And I, I think initially that was a problem that I had had is that there was a lot of repetition in the conversation. But what it all boils down to really that I got out of it was... I guess uh, that character, Jean-Louis, maybe not fully knowing what he really even wants. I mean, he's kind of got to that point where even though he is religious and Catholic, he doesn't really know he wants to get married, but he doesn't really know what kind of woman that he wants. Or, and he, doesn't, he doesn't even know it to himself. He thinks he knows uh, going into the end of the film kind of where he might want. Like, I'm sorry, not where, who he might want. But he's kind of lying to himself in a way. At least that's what I got out of it. Um, Eric Romer, he does some really great POV sequences with, uh, there's a really great sequence where I believe it was Vidal who was uh, chasing after Fr Francois. Um, and they're going through um, the back alleys of France. She's on a bike, he's in a car and um, it's, it's very narrow streets, very um, 
uh, uh, enticing, kind of going after this forbidden character. And that's what I really like about it is that you kind of forget about that character for a while. And then when she pops back up into the second half and becomes a lead, um, it's kind of like that chase pays off, you know. It's a bit of a tricky film to talk about in a way because I may not be coming across exactly. And, and truthfully, I probably should have written down some notes. But um, I just really thought that the dialogue in this film was great. Um, the, the, I'm sorry, the conversations more than the dialogue. Uh, I just really found myself getting wrapped up into the, primarily the main conversation between Jean-Louis and Maud. And even early on, uh, earlier in that sequence when Vidal is there before he leaves, all of that was great. And Maud talking about her, her life and her daughter and all that. It, it all just totally worked for me. I, I read a couple of things online. And I don't really read too much about reviews and stuff. I really don't care, to be honest with you. You know, no, reviews don't, don't shape my judgments. And, and that's why I don't look up anything before a film. I don't even look up a plot uh, uh, for before. But I saw some people saying it was, um, it, it, was, it was a lot of uh, 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 self-grandarizing, um, uh, is that the word glamour not grander uh, you know what i mean it's very it was kind of full of itself and i don't know if i totally agree with that maybe i haven't seen enough romer films but uh uh certain films like this i guess can come off that way i think that's kind of a problem that i have with a lot of cassavetti's films is i kind of get the, uh, the the some of the criticisms i read of this film and of romer are kind of exactly what I have a problem with with Cassavetti films. And that's not to say I don't like John Cassavetes um, as an actor. I do. And I even like some of his films. Um, I like Opening Night and A Woman Under the Influence. And um, I'm warming up to Love Streams. I haven't really quite gone up with that in a mini of Moskowitz. But uh, some films like Faces, I, I just have trouble connecting with because of the kind of um, self... Uh, being full of itself in a way. And I don't want to say that about faces. I don't mean to throw that film under the bus. I don't even, I probably shouldn't have even mentioned it, but I'm just saying a film like uh, that, I, I bring that up because of the criticisms I was reading about Romer. And, and hey man, you know, it's you're, you're either going to get something out of it or you're not. I, I can't tell you one way or another the way somebody would feel about this film is probably how I feel about a Cassavetes film, you know, but I, I get it. And I respect, um, I respect Romer and I respect Cassavetes and, and, uh, and um, it was just an interesting perspective is all. But uh, My Night at Mods, man, I just thought you're either going to be on board with this year or not. But uh, I say if you haven't seen a Romer film before, um, I don't know if this would even be a good place to start. I don't even know what other Romer films I've seen, to be honest. Maybe not any of them. Maybe it's just my first. It very well could be. I probably should have looked this up beforehand. But as you know, I'm a little unprepared most of the time. Looking forward to watching Clear's Knee. That's one that's been on my uh, uh, to-watch list for a little while. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, this film just really, uh, I thought, was phenomenal. I thought, really, when it was over at the end, it, it left me with a lot of thoughts. And it left me going, thinking about Jean-Louis' character and um, his relationship to the women in his life. Man, I just thought this was a cool film. And... We're wrapping up here. I was going to talk about another film, but you know what? I spent so much time with these other two, so we'll leave it at that, man. Um, heading out here. Uh, yeah, I did I did watch some cool stuff this week for sure. A couple other films that I probably could have talked about, but that's right, man. So Schizopolis and My Night at Mods uh, were, my, were the, uh, probably the two best films I watched this week, or at least the two that I enjoyed the most. Um, so yeah, man. Keep at it with whatever it is you're working on, whatever art you're working on. Just 
keep doing it, man. Don't sit around and, and, and wait for other people to, to get ready, you know, uh, in, in this past week of writing and of working, um, it's really kind of put into a lot of perspective of just how much you, you know, you really just got to do it, man. You, you can't wait around for other people. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so over the just hanging out and just aimless doing nothing, you know, next why looking when, when I'm, when I'm doing my writing and I'm looking and I read back and I go, wow, man, this is what it's all about. This is, this is, this is why you get up in the morning, man, to do this and to create. And, um, I, See nothing but good things going forward, man. So that's the thing where I'm going to leave this episode at. So that's all I got, man. Check them out.